Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on this Thursday, September something, the 21st. My name is Peter Klein and I should look at calendars before I do an intro like that. Coming up on the show today, the Toronto Blue Jays with another big win, this time in the Bronx. And it is a busy day for us. It's the first edition of our NFL Power Rankings, plus we have a Thursday night preview and a little bit of a sprinkle on today's ticket to close out the show. So, um, as always, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Subscribe to the channel, like the video. Um, if you'd rather just listen to this in podcast form, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a podcast listener, hey, the shows are all up on YouTube. They get up a little bit later than the, the podcast versions of it, but you get to stare into my eyes the whole time. So that's awesome. Um, but if you are listening on podcast form, you remember to uh, subscribe whenever you are, wherever you are, uh, leave a rating, that kind of stuff really does help. So, like I said, we have power rankings, we got the Blue Jays, we got NFL previewing to do. Should be a fun one. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about, but might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, let's begin in the world of baseball as the Toronto Blue Jays with another big win last night over the New York Yankees. It was a close game until it wasn't, um, and then the Bronx Bombers bullpen just completely imploded last night, uh, throwing away a game against the Blue Jays. Now the Blue Jays were the better team throughout, but... We need to stop and appreciate the level of dominance we are seeing from Kevin Gosman. And it's a bit trickier because the win total isn't where it should be because the offense has struggled in his starts uh, throughout the season. But Gosman now has the fourth most strikeouts in a single season in Blue Jays history behind Roger Clemens twice and Robbie Ray, who won the Cy Young uh, before he dipped and made his way to Seattle. Uh, Gosman is 16 strikeouts behind Robbie Ray. It would take a lot to, to get to that mark. Um, and Roger Clemens almost had 300 back in 1997. I think we forgot how dominant he was with the Blue Jays because there were no playoff appearances in that stretch. But for um, for Toronto to have a guy like this as just the guy in your starting rotation where you know it's very, um, not, not comparing the two careers or anything like that because one guy's in the Hall of Fame, but it's very similar to what Roy Halladay was like where it didn't matter what was happening with starters two through five in the rotation. You knew. Every fifth day, no matter who was playing, no matter who wasn't playing, no matter who you were playing, you had a chance to win. And Kevin Gosman has given the Blue Jays that at basically every start all season long. And that is not something that I, I think can be overlooked. Um, I, I think it, it's down to him and Garrett Cole for for the Cy Young. Um, obviously, I am a little biased with the, the Blue Jays hat um, and a, a Blue Jays sweater on, but I... like. I can't imagine a better season than what Kevin Gosman has been able to do. And it's not like Garrett Cole has just been throwing it out there like at the end of Rookie of the Year where the guy's magic elbow or shoulder or whatever has gone and he's just lobbing him in. Um, like Garrett Cole has obviously been phenomenal, but Kevin Gosman deserves every bit of the flowers that, that he gets as he has been an absolute rock and has been everything that the Blue Jays have needed with uh, a free agent signing. Um, this year and in his time with the Toronto Blue Jays. And it's another night where the, the offense was quiet un, until it, it got going late. Um, that This offense needs to step it up. They were talking about it on um, at the letters earlier this week. 
the, the, the innings, the games here where you, you get three wild pitches in a row and that lets you score two runs um, and you get a reliever who just loses it, that's not going to happen in the playoffs. You're not going to be able to string a lot of times. You're not going to be able to string five, six, seven hits in a row to be able to get two runs. The, the power needs to come back to guys like Vladdy and to guys like Springer and to guys like Kirk um, and Bo as well. The, the Blue Jays are, pro- are definitely not going to have a 30 home run hitter in the lineup this season. Th- this is... This makes it much more difficult. You're going up against um, high-level pitching basically every night, right? Like, pitchers one through four, generally, if it were me, it'd be one through three, but that's a battle that's been lost long ago. Um, Pitchers one through four in the rotation, so you're not facing a number five starter. The bullpens... um, get used much more aggressively. So you're just, you're not beating up on bad pitching as much. And this is a Blue Jays club that is going to have to find the bats. But again, and I I feel like I've been relatively negative um, since we've really started focusing on the Blue Jays again here. But you, you look at what has gone on with this team. Alec Manoa has been a disaster. He was just shut down for the rest of the year. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been average at best for most of the season. The offense has struggled with runners in scoring position at least the first like five, six months of the year. Coming into September, it, it's gotten a little bit better. But you, you have had frustrations with the manager and all of this. This is still a Blue Jays team that, as we sit here today, has the third best record in the American League. Um, it just so happens that the teams with the two best records, uh, with the first two best records, top two, top two, um, they're ahead of the Blue Jays in the American League East. That That's the, the frustration of it. And you would have thought for a long time that happened to Toronto where it was Boston and New York. Uh, now it's Baltimore and Tampa Bay. But this has still been an excellent year for the Blue Jays and Kevin Gosman and the pitching staff is the reason why. On the Yankee side of things, boy, that Yankee mystique feels like it's gone. Hey, like last night, even though it was one nothing for most of the game, didn't feel like a game where the Blue Jays were even threatened a little bit. And a lot of that is, is how well Gosman pitched um, and then into the bullpen. And then the, the bullpen imploding for the, the Yankees. But this does not feel like a dangerous Yankee team at all. Uh, and going into Yankee Stadium doesn't feel like the house of horrors that, that it used to be. The, the Yankee mystique, at least for now, is gone. And because they are the Yankees and they have the, the giant checkbook, or at least they used to, that mystique can come back very quickly, right? Like they they go out and get Shohei Otani in the offseason and all of a sudden you start to be a little bit more concerned about the Yankees. But there has been a pretty steady erosion of talent in New York for a long time now. And, you know, it's been beaten to death. 2017, you thought the the Baby Bombers were coming and it's Greg Bird who's not doing anything now. Gleyber Torres who didn't really turn into anything. Um, Aaron Judge who's been phenomenal. But you, you had these guys who were supposed to be the the next wave of dudes coming in. And it just, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked out. And they have brought in veterans, but not the right veterans. Uh, The pitching staff has been atrocious this year for New York. Uh, The the bullpen has really fallen apart. There's a lot of work to do for New York now to catch up here in, even just in their division. Like this has been a frustrating year in Toronto. They feel a mile away from the Blue Jays right now. And the Blue Jays feel like there's a bit of a gap between them and the Rays and the Orioles. Like the, the Yankees have a lot of work to do just to catch up within their division. But for now, boy, it, it just, it does not feel like the Yankees that I grew up with. This kind of feels like the era before that, where the, the Yankees were just kind of there, but they had an iconic logo um, and a lot of history. But yeah, the, the, the Yankee mystique certainly feels like it's gone, at least for now.
Some of the music on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. All right, it is time for the first time this season for our NFL Power Rankings. If you weren't around for last year, uh, A, B, um, I just rank all 32 teams, um, and we we will run through it. Just a couple of quick thoughts on on most of the teams here, um, and then it'll probably get quicker as the, the season goes along. Let's start at number 32. This one's probably going to be that for most of the season, although we said that in the CFL ones as well. Um, Arizona. They're really bad. They're going to continue to be really bad. And I don't think Kyler Murray is saving them. And they are going to be a much more interesting discussion in the offseason. At 31, excuse me, I have the Houston Texans. Again, um, it it just, it feels bad there right now. And the only thing that's separating them from Carolina, because I I think um, the quarterback has got it in Houston a bit quicker than he's got it out in Carolina. But I think the Carolina defense is better than what Houston is is trotting out there right now. But both of those teams, like there's just so much struggle, especially to, to move the ball on the offensive side. At 29, I didn't think they'd be here. It's Chicago. The offense has gone stale. Um, the defense isn't very good. And now the quarterback is calling out the coach. And the coach is saying, hey, everything is fine. Which is what I would be saying too if someone absolutely bodied me in the media the day before. And I still had to work with him the next day. This is a bad situation in Chicago that feels like it could be getting worse. And I mean, the pro- like the thing is for them, um, I mean, Arizona is probably going to want a quarterback. Like that's that's probably where they're going to go, and then try to offload Kyler Murray for parts on the dollar or um, pennies on the dollar. Sorry, and try to like save cap space, all of that sort of nonsense. Um, but Houston's not going to look for a quarterback. Carolina's not going to look for a quarterback. So. You have a lot of the bad teams aren't necessarily going to to be all that needy at quarterback. And so you have a Bears team who last year moved away from a quarterback drafting position. This year might be looking to move into a quarterback drafting position. Now, um, I would suggest the quarterbacks in this year's draft are better than the ones that were in last year's draft. So maybe crazy like a fox out there in Chicago. Um because you, you look at it like the quarterback's been a bit of an issue, and I think the coaching is an issue. Um, but offensively, they have built that foundation that you would like for a young quarterback to, to slide in. So I, I, th- I would be really interested in what Chicago would do if they ended up with a, a top three pick in the NFL draft. At 28, it is Denver. Russell Wilson looks cooked. One week, the offense can't do anything. One week, the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. So there are, I think, real reasons for concern right now in Denver. That's why I have them as a bottom five team in the NFL this week. Just ahead of them, the team that beat them in week one, the Vegas Raiders, come crashing down to earth. Um, This is just, again, it's oversimplifying things. This is a bad football team. Um, And I I think they are going to continue to be a bad football team for a while. I have no faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. And I would say that if things start to fall off, look, they're getting a primetime spot here. Sunday night against Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's a better team, as evidenced by them not being mentioned in the power rankings yet. So I think the Raiders kind of get thumped by most teams in the league right now. I wonder if, you don't normally see big in-season trades happen, but I wonder uh, if a Devontae Adams could be available. Um if the Raiders season continues to go the way it's going. At 26, it is Minnesota. They make a trade this week, go out and get Cam Akers. I'll be interested to see how he fits into that offense, but nothing is really working right now in Minnesota. You know things are going bad when a team beats you on Thursday Night Football, and then everyone comes out and is like, 
boy, they're not really playing all that well right now, are they? And they still beat you. That's a problem. That's a real big problem. Uh, and Minnesota has that. At 25, it is Indianapolis. Um, so far, so okay for, for Indianapolis and for, for Anthony Richardson. We've seen signs of the, the player that everyone thought he would be, and we've also seen... Signs of the player everyone thought he would be, both negatively and positively. You, you have seen those, but it, it's a long road back to relevancy, I think, for the Indianapolis Colts. At 24, it is the New York Giants. I think there is, rightfully so, big concerns right now with the Giants because they have a brutal schedule coming up. They, I don't think it's hyperbole that they potentially saved their season on Sunday with their, their comeback win over the, the Arizona Cardinals. And now, um, as I, I frantically go to pick up the, their schedule, they, they play here on Thursday, um, so tonight, against the San Francisco 49ers. After that, they are home Seahawks um, on a Monday night. That could be a win. But then at the Dolphins, that's an L. At the Bills, that's an L. And then you have the Jets and Commanders. Um, this one feels like an L tonight, so one and two. But then you're going into to potentially week seven as a, a two and four football team that was supposed to be making noise here in the NFC this year. So things have gotten very concerning very quickly out in New York. Um, at 23, it is New England. I have said before, I've been a bit impressed with what I've seen from the New England defense. They're going up against the New York Jets this week, who come in just ahead of them. Um, and it's two teams where you like the defense a lot, but major questions on the offensive side. And so that's why these two teams are right where they are. Seattle comes in at 20. I still have concerns about this defense after giving up 31 points to Detroit, after giving up 30-some-odd points against the LA Rams the, the week before. But the offense at least, at least looks like it's back on track, but again, that's an offense that's back on track against the Detroit defense that I'm not taking super seriously. Um, sorry, I think I got those out of order, actually. Um, I do have Detroit at 21 and Seattle at 20, um, so I just kind of gave you the lowdown on what I think of Detroit. Um, at 18 is Cincinnati. At 19, it's the Rams. Those two teams play each other on Monday night. The Rams have been an interesting story this year because the, the offense has much more uh, cohesion that I think people were expected, given some comments that were made in the offseason. Um, so th this is a team that, in, in a down year in the NFC, could make a bit of noise. Cincinnati, they're 0-2, and yes, they, they still make it into the teens here. Th this is, it, it's getting concerning, though, in Cincinnati, how much the offense has struggled through two weeks this year. Cleveland is at 17. The quarterback looks washed. The rest of the team is all right. Uh, no Nick Chubb, obviously, for the rest of the season is is going to hurt quite a bit. Um, so it's going to be up to this defense to, to come up with some plays. But I, I didn't really know what to make of them. So they're just kind of in the middle for me right now. At 16, it's Washington. I like pieces on this defense. I like some pieces on this offense. I'm not a believer in the quarterback, but they're 2-0. and um, So they're definitely a wait-and-see team for me. So that's why they're right in the middle of the, the NFL power rankings. At 15, it's Atlanta. There's a lot to like about this Atlanta team on both sides of the football. And on the offense, it's kind of just the quarterback that they need to get figured out. I think it's pretty clear now Desmond Ritter isn't it as the quarterback. And so all the rumors you're hearing about different quarterbacks going to the Jets... Maybe give Atlanta a bit of a look, because I think if they get that quarterback spot figured out, they really have something, again, in a down year in the NFC South. At 14, it is Pittsburgh. Um, I th This defense is really good. Like, not on the level of slowing down a San Francisco, but if you're not talking about a top-tier team, Pittsburgh's defense is probably going to do some awful things to them, which means they could put a hurt on the Raiders this week. And then the offense is good enough. I think we'll see more Jalen Warren, as we kind of predicted, because... 
um, Najee Harris just has not been very good so far this season. At 13, it's the Chargers. Yes, they're 0-2, but they have been right there in a couple of games, which has been the, the Charger motto since about 1998. But I, I still like so many pieces on this team. I'm not pushing the, the full-on panic button just yet. Uh, at 12, it's the team that beat them this week, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, our pick to win the, the AFC South. The Titans' offense kind of got back on track this week against the LA Chargers. I think we're going to get more of the youth infused in this offense, and I think it's going to be a really good thing for the Titans moving forward. At 11, it is New Orleans, specifically on the strength of this defense. I have concerns about the offense, although the playmakers are really good. Uh, but this defense can be smothering, um, and they've shown that through the first two weeks of the season. So th this is a defense that could lead this team to some pretty big things in the NFC. At 10, it is the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Packers are a top 10 team for me this uh, this season, at least right now. Anyway, I think there's major potential on offense. They did kind of stub their toe in the fourth quarter of that game against Atlanta, but seven of the eight quarters, they've played like a pretty good football team so far. I think the defense was underrated coming in. Um, they lose that game without a couple of key players on offense like Aaron Jones. And so I, I think when fully healthy and fully capable, this is a team that could make some noise in the NFC. At nine, the apples of our eye this year, and I hate it because I'm a Raider fan, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're the team that crushed my heart the last time that the, the Raiders were relevant um, is now a top 10 team once again. Um, but what can I say? We, we took them to win the division. We took the over on their win total. So you know what? I have a soft spot for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year, and they're paying off so far. 2-0 to start the year. The offense looks like it's going to be fine. The defense looks like it's going to be fine. And in the NFC, that's enough to get you into a top 10, to, to help you get into a top 10 spot in the NFL. At 8, it is Jacksonville. That was a sneaky, really bad loss last week. Um, with Kansas City still trying to find their footing on offense to only put up nine points against a, a Kansas City defense that maybe doesn't get the credit it deserves, but that was your time to take over and show that you belong in the upper echelon in the AFC. Instead, it just didn't quite break through, but I still think some decent things are ahead for Jacksonville. At seven, it's Baltimore. We talked all offseason about how excited I was about the, the Baltimore Ravens on, um, on offense with Glenn Munkin taking or sorry, Todd Munkin taking over, and I, I think so far so good from this offense. Um, they've got big plays out of like Nelson Aguilar. They have been able to to produce uh, a couple of key wins so far to start the year. So I'm liking what Baltimore is doing right now. At six, it's Buffalo. The week one loss was concerning. I'm not taking anything from the week two win against the Raiders. We'll, we'll see how much more they can get back on track. At five, it's Kansas City. The offense still just looks off um, for me to, to be able to put them above some of the other teams right now. The, the offense just does not really seem like it's fully in sync. This doesn't feel like the Kansas City City Chiefs of last year yet. Anyway, the Philadelphia Eagles are number four in the power rankings. They are 2-0 and still haven't really got their footing yet. I think that, I think they're still figuring out everything on offense. Um, that This defense is still really good, and that's going to be able to propel them to a number of things, but they haven't looked like the, the great team that I picked to win the Super Bowl this year, at least yet. At three, it is San Francisco. They have looked every bit like a great team so far. That offense is clicking uh, defensively. They are a problem and a tough team to deal with, so that they have absolutely earned a spot in the top three. At two, it's Miami. Um, this offense can put up explosive numbers when called upon, and I think the defense is a work in progress as this team picks up what Vic Fangio is, is selling. But watch out for Miami. Again, making some adjustments 
and 2-0. And, and at 1, I don't know if I'm buying it for the full season, but you put up 70 points. I have to take you as the top team in the NFL. That would be the Dallas Cowboys. Two absolute beatdowns of the New York teams. This offense is rolling. I had major concerns about the offense coming into the year with Mike McCarthy at the helm, but through two weeks anyway, they have been really impressive. And to put up 30 points against that Jets defense is a really, really impressive thing. So the Dallas Cowboys are the number one team in this week's NFL Power Rankings. Quickly here, um, Thursday night preview. The San Francisco 49ers, clear favorite, uh, clearly the better team in this football game, in every aspect of this football game. Um, so that there isn't a whole lot to, to analyze on this one. From a Giants perspective, this is an interesting test for this defense that has kind of not shown up through two weeks. Um, obviously, week one against Dallas was what it was. But to, to have those kind of troubles, especially in the first half against Arizona, that's really concerning. If the defense continues to struggle tonight and the offensive line struggles like they have in the last couple of weeks, this could be a very, very long night for the, the New York Giants. So I, I think they struggle. And I'm interested to see what this offense looks like with, with no Saquon Barkley in the lineup as well. So we will see what um, what the New York Giants are, are able to do this week against San Francisco, but I'm, I'm picking the 49ers by a ton in this one. Um, and actually here, I haven't clicked on that just yet, but let's take a look here. The 49ers are 10 and a half point favorites. That is a big number, but I honestly, I think I'll take it. Like I, I don't love giving up that many points, but I think San Francisco could really blow them out here in this game. I just think the issues they're having on the offensive line and the issues they are having on the defensive side of the ball San Francisco is not the team you want to be dealing with when you're dealing with either of those. So uh, I think a, a big, big bounce back could be here. Um, not even a big bounce back. I, I think a big problem here is what I meant um, for the New York Giants this week. So that's one thing on today's ticket. What about the rest of the ticket? Quick one here for today's ticket. First, we are taking San Francisco minus the 10.5 points. Um, in baseball, you have Jose Barrios taking on Garrett Cole tonight in the Blue Jays-Yankees game. And you have a couple of offenses that have kind of struggled a little bit. So I'm going to go under 7 for the, the total in that one tonight. And uh, Baltimore, favored as always by a run and a half. That's the, the usual baseball score. Um, they take on the Cleveland Guardians this evening. We will take Baltimore minus 1.5. So a quick three-gamer on the ticket today. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you for, uh, for YouTube watchers for watching on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the channel, like the video, share it with your friends. That stuff really does help this podcast grow. And if you are listening on podcast form, A, check out the YouTube video, but B, subscribe to the channel, leave a rating, leave a review, whatever you can do. All that kind of engagement really does help the show out. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, I was on Twitch earlier today uh, and we had some good conversations. So we're going to turn that into a bonus episode. On Friday's show, uh, our NHL previews continue looking at how last year's champions were built. Are there any lessons we can take from how the Vegas Golden Knights came to be, uh, how the Vegas Golden Knights championship team came to be? We will look at that. We have our CFL picks. We have our NFL picks. And we're going to look at WWE cuts as those have come down today. And it is going to be uh, what fights to make after UFC Noche. So a busy, busy next 24 hours coming up. You can find all of it on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. And you can email the show couch potato diary at yahoo.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in. However you did, I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you all later. <laughs>